Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Dark Side Down Under. Sitting here with me is the man whose beard once won him the best beard competition at a concert for beard aficionados. Oh, I did. He's got a singing voice that's the envy of every songbird in the country. La, la, and, he, la, 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 la. and he can smash a pint at near the speed of light. Yeah, not that dumb, that's something to be proud of. But... Welcome to my husband and famous yarn spinner, Bluey. Oh, welcome, famous yarn spinner. I like it. I've done like a couple. That. I'm already batting. Yeah, that's my now your rich. thing. Long mm. gone are the days where you can say that your role is to be the guy that listens to yeah. the story and reacts. Now you have to partake. I have to partake and react yep. so much. But Not I'm bad, excited to have a crack. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hear an icebreaker? Yes. I found this one on Facebook, and I don't know the person who wrote it, but full you... credit to that other person because it wasn't me. Would you rather fight an orangutan once a year with a sword or have to fight a chicken Every time you get in your car. Doesn't really matter. Oh, well, no, you have to pick one. But it doesn't what matter because do? eventually you become good at it. Yeah. It's curb, you, you definitely, but which one would you, you rather you be? Curb stop the chicken straight up. You oh. just get used to it so it didn't bother you. I suppose you could have chicken after, every night for dinner. After, you know, every day of doing it, you just get used to it after about 50, <laughs> 80 times. <laughs> it'd be to dead you. to you. And the old fight in an orangutan with a sword. Well, first couple of times you might get busted up, but after a while, you'll, um, I think you'd be efficient at it. So, yeah, I'm going to go the orangutan. I like it. I like the way you think through an answer like that. All right. Some people would have just gone, ah, uh, the first one. Yep. That's cool. Um, Tommy Bowie. Yes. Have you got a yarn for us this week? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a big day, a bit nervous, because mm. the other yarns that I have conjured up, not that I've conjured them up, they've been factually based, but was from the cusp. This one, I've done a little bit of research on it, so I'm very I'm excited. so excited. Yeah. I'm really excited for this. This is a monumentous occasion. Well, it is. I'm, I've done a bit of research, so look, I've typed it down. I'm gonna, you're going to have to forgive me if I cough and splatter well, not literally cough and splatter, but maybe bumble, bumble my way through a few things. But yeah, this will be my first, my first crack at it. So, I'm so pretty excited. excited. I, can't wait. I can't wait. So, do you know what today's? Do you know what it's about? Love this yarn? Have I? I have told you. You've told me like there's a couple of different ones that you want to do, and yes. you sort of used me as a bit of a sounding board for some ideas. Yeah. So, I think I might know, but I want you to go ahead and introduce your story. Well. We're popping over to Western Australia and we're talking about something that I've seen a lot of and it's pretty cool. It is the pipeline that goes, the water pipeline that goes from Perth to Kalgoorlie. Yeah. I love this pipeline. Yeah. Look, it's a, Sometimes on long journeys to... It's certain, all above ground. Like, yeah. Or most of it is. It's all above ground. You can use it as like, like, a, like you follow it. Sometimes oh, if you're headed to like uh, Williams or something like that, you're running like yeah. right alongside it, you follow it the whole way and it's it's sort of there with you the whole way and you look for it as yeah, you're well, driving we, along we and We, drove, we drove along with it when we uh, moved from WA to yeah. South Australia and if you travel backwards and forth and go further than Kalgoorlie or you can go the Esperance way, but if you're sort of like going through the guts and down to Perth, you'll always drive along this pipeline. So this is the Goldfields Water Supply Scheme. So the Goldfields Water Supply Scheme is a That's pipeline. A it is. 
is a pipeline and dam project that delivers water from Munjuring Weir, so Munjuring Weir in Perth, to towns in West Australia up to Kalgoorlie. So to give you some perspective of this pipeline, so far. Perth to Kalgoorlie is, and there's a few numbers here, I pride myself on sometimes the numbers, and they're not exact, they're just ballpark figures. Yeah. The kilometres and miles are pretty spot on, though. It's 593 kilometres, which is 369 miles. So it's this amazing was, that water can even go that far well, without just running out of you know steam, for want of a better word. Well, that is um, that that is uh, that's quite funny. Running out of steam, <laughs> water, and the water <laughs> turns into steam, and there's no more water. Thank so you. this uh, this this project was started in 1896, and it was finished in 1903. So this pipeline supplies mm-hmm. over a hundred thousand people in towns and farms and mines with water pumping 5 million gallons of water per day in a 36-inch, 760-millimetre pipe. So it's a pretty big pipe, and there's people working on it full-time, just patching it and fixing it, boilies, and there's a bit going on there. And so the goldfields in Kalgoorlie, as we know we've been there, is is a very, very uh, – it's a beautiful part of the world. It's pretty barren in places. Um, It goes from being barren, desert – into farming land, you know, it's, and it's quite over a very expansive um, area. Yeah, it's really wide space. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's so, a beautiful country. I love driving it is around beautiful. in that area. It is beautiful out yeah, there. Yeah, it's really nice. So in 1896, the Premier of Western Australia, Sir John Forrest, introduced a bill to Parliament oh. to authorise the raise, to authorise raising of a loan of 2.5 million pounds to put into perspective though so this is in 1896 yeah 2.5 million pounds is 4.4 million australian dollars and 3.5 american dollars and you say what's that going to really mean to me because that was in 1896 so google consulted once again (laughs) so those prices in today's terms are, just let me find where I've written them, is 86 million pounds, 151.6 million Australian dollars. Whoa. And for the Americans out and about, it's 108.6 American dollars. That's amazing. And there's a bit of change either side yeah. of that and all those numbers. They're not all spot on, but yeah, the wow. millions of parts are. Just circling back really quickly, for starters, that's that's an impressive amount of money for a loan of the time. But I was going to say, I think John Forrest is the statue of the giant head that's in the city centre of Bunbury. You know, the yeah, random yeah, yeah. kind of severed head yes, that's, that's a in giant, that park? giant head. You might have to do a bit I of research on that. I think that's John Forrest. It could be John Forrest. But I think, I think he so. buggered off later on. He he wasn't around for the whole project. Okay, so he sort of helped kick things off. Yeah. He, yeah, okay, sure. So, look, we're not going to give this story enough justice. We're not going to give the pipeline enough justice this story, and we're certainly not going to give this gentleman enough justice. So the project was designed mostly by C.Y. O'Connor, an Irish engineer, Charles um, Yelliveston O'Connor. I think I buggered his middle name up, but a roundabout is the same way. Yeah. So he's also the uh, he also designed and constructed the Fremantle Port. Yeah, okay. Which was to consider to at the yeah. time was considered impossible. So not only did he get that one under his belt, that port is still oh. being used, and it's a very very port busy port to this day. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so he's uh, got a really impressive resume. Yeah, and he's, he he has done a he's done a shitload of stuff. Yeah, but obviously we're um, giving you validation so with the Fremantle Port. Well. 
he's yeah, a lot of people do know him in Western Australia, but yeah. other than that, they probably don't. No, but he's impressive. Yeah. Mm. So he, uh, he he designed and off he went. He copped a huge amount of flack from uh, the people in the uh, Western Australian government, mm. and he copped a lot of negative. He copped a lot of negativity from the press. So really, yeah. And because they give him already achieved the port, though, you think they'd be like sucking his dick at this point? Well, pretty much. But uh, they 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 were saying that the project was far too much of an engineering feat and doomed to failure. They're also they're also they're they're also having a crack at him, and I won't bring this up in down the track that they never thought the gold would uh, would last. They thought it was last. So they, they thought it would have been yeah, a waste of time. Waste of time. It's not a permanent kind of situation. It was. It was going to be sense. delivering, going to be delivering water to nowhere yeah. to people that weren't anywhere and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, sure. and it was a huge outlay. Mm. But to give that to some perspective, also, at, at this point in time in Western Australia, roughly, I think this is a study a couple of years ago. There's 46 gold mines in WA, oh, wow. and 30 of them at the time. We're in and around the goldfields, so goldfields, yeah. Esperance sort of area. So that's really that's why they call it the goldfields. Yeah, so that's, our, oh, that's huge. where our gold rush. It's happened. huge. It employs thousands of people. Um, I've actually worked on a gold mine just uh, oh. just west of, of the goldfields, and yeah, there's a bit going on. They're very very busy. So around that same time, those numbers come about. Mm. The gold southwest Australia was pulling out of the ground was 211 tonnes of gold, which is 7.5 million ounces of gold. So I think it's at the time it was 7% of the world's production of gold was coming out of Western Australia. But it's a lot of gold. Yeah. Never. (laughs) So the press was giving him such a hard time getting close to the end of it, saying, look, it wasn't going to happen and the, all the reasons and some of the things that were reported, well, some of the things that were well, a couple of things that were said to him in in, in the in the local papers. Um, I'm going to paraphrase it. He, uh, he has robbed the taxpayers of this state and this state's of many millions of money. The crocodile imposter has been backed up in the reckless, extravagant juggling with public funds. And it went on to say... All sorts of things. And these negative Nancys, look, he copped a fair bit, Mr. O'Connor. And, uh, look, it was was a massive project involving massive works and uh, he was taking it all on his shoulder. This is fascinating. And around that time, so this is coming close to the end of uh, what what was happening, Mm -hmm. um, the government, they inducted an inquiry into the scheme so they like so all these uh, reportings. The, the government stepped in and and did an inquiry against what the press was saying and things like that. And he was sort of cleared of of any sort of corruption. Wow. Okay. So scandalous. Very very scandalous. The very very scandalous. And so also around this time, the government conducted their inquiry. But after their inquiry, it's claimed that the local Noongar Aboriginal people mm-hmm. they were pretty unhappy with yeah, the destruction okay. of the limestone bar across the Swan River yeah. at Point Walter. So they're pretty unhappy. Yeah, sure. And it has been sort of rumoured or said that they placed a curse on O'Connor <gasps> and uh, that was uh, starting to send him crazy. Oh, my God. I did not know any of this. Yeah. So, look, I said we're not going to give this enough justice as it is because we're just pumping through it. We're just 
it's just a yarn, but wow. Well, it's not a yarn. This is, yeah, this, yeah, this, is, this yeah. is just part of the yarn section. So he was copping flack from the press. The government that he that had his faith, they did an inquiry and the local Indigenous Aboriginal people were, were heard to have put a curse on him. And this, mm. all of these pressures were sending him around the twist, and you could imagine. So O'Connor, in March the 10th, 1902, less than a year before the project um, finished. So the, the, the cool thing about this sort of story is, um, well, not the cool thing about this story, but people do uh, uh, fabricate. So, yeah. yeah, 12 months before the project finished, he took his own life in quite a, a, a spectacular wow. fashion. He took his own life. So the, the story originally goes is they turned the pump stations on and got the water flowing and the water was taking that long to get where it was supposed to be in Kalgoorlie. The project was uh, seen as a failure. That's the version that That's I the heard. Version. Is that not true? That's not true. That's not what happened. It was, wow. 12, it was 12 months before the commissioning of the pipeline that he oh. took his own life. But it's probably more romantic for him to take his own life. Yeah. Because um, the water wasn't coming and down. And as soon as he took his own life, uh, a day or two later, the water got to where it was going. That's what I'd heard. Yeah. yeah. And that's such a poetic, it is tragic, a poem. It is, it is poetic, story. dramatic. But it was actually happened 12 months beforehand. Oh, wow. Anyway, that's what okay. Wikipedia and all my research has shown. That sure. might not be 100%. But that's, um, that, that's what I found. But in the way he took his own life, and he did it near Fremantle at 4 a.m. So South Fremantle at Rob at the Rob Jetty. I think I think that's right. At 4 a.m. in the morning, he rode his horse into the ocean and shot himself. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. That is in itself very like dramatic and it is, it is very and dramatic and, and poetic. Fucking really sad. It's very, very sad. So was this purely a matter of he had taken on this big job and he didn't know if he could do it? Oh, or I think. Um, I do think, you think it was just all of his uh, mental health issues? Yeah, I reckon at the end, compounded with the pressure of the pressure of running the project, the pressure, yeah. of, the pressure of WA pretty much so turning on him, Imagine and him being the most. He was probably the most unpopular person yeah. around, one of the most unpopular people around at that time because he was reported against lots and yeah. So the project was a That's success. It still runs today. Yeah. In 2022 and will continue to it run. It will have saved lives. Yeah, for many years. Yeah, um, wow. And, uh, and the jetty, uh, the harbour at Fremantle is uh, still being used. It's very busy down there. And so his legacy lives on. That's but amazing. But, yeah, pretty sad. I sort of, you know, it was a massive project. And at the time, it, at the time it was the largest, I don't know if I said this, but the largest uh, freshwater pipeline in the world. That's incredible. And uh, he never got to see the completion of no. that. So whether he wow. took his own life a year beforehand or he took his own life as a result of the water not getting there, mm. it was pretty well much surrounded by the same, I guess, uh, feelings That's of amazing. that time. Can you tell me his name again? So I'm definitely going to tell you his name again. Uh, that's Mr. O'Connor. Mr. O'Connor. Yeah. Well, Charles... A Laverton O'Connor, C.Y. O'Connor. All right, we'll just go Charles O'Connor. Um, I guess dark siders at home, whatever drink you've got in your hand, if you've got a water or a tea or a beer, let's raise a glass to Cheers. Charles O'Connor. Yeah, I'd like to know more about him and I'll do more research. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's the, uh, the probably the most formal blue is yarn. I really like that. 
Well done. Yeah, no worries. That Dark Siders is Bluey's very well, hope, yeah. first like research hope, yeah, story. I'm so, so excited about it. I didn't about too it. many people and it was a great baffling. job. Hopefully I didn't baffle as I am right no, I loved it. now. But anyway, Mr. O'Connor, cheers. Well done. Oh, like wow. I said, we've uh, got that pipeline in common. That story is incredible. We've driven, driven past that pipeline many times. We have. As and you I have do with your always stare at it. And yeah, well, you're following it right beside the road. It really is. And there's other pipelines around Australia that I've seen, but I wonder if I think that this might have been the first or like. Well, it was the largest of, in the world. It was just the biggest, time. yeah. It was incredible. And it's always one of those Great things story. if you, you know, I'm sure when you're heading home and you see the mm. pipeline as you're driving a two and a half thousand kilometre journey, you know, you start to know you're getting close. Yeah. You're within that five, six hundred kilometre range. I like this. We could do this more often. Okay, we'll see. How and we have go. like we each tell a little story. Oh, I'd really enjoy that. Time. That was great. You did that really well. Oh, thanks for the tie pump. So, yes, if you're ready, yes, um, I'm going to take my turn this week. Oh, please do. I'm Bluey. I'm very excited. How excited? I'm so excited. Ecstatic. It's delighted. Really? So, what do you think? we might be talking about that has me so excited. Um, cryptids. Yeah, you got it, yeah. <laughs> Even though you mouthed it, I was going with cryptids straight off the bat. So yeah. thanks for the prompts. Um, so, yeah, so we've talked about this before. I fucking love cryptozoology. Yes. I love it. It's probably one of my favourite things, except for you. Thank you. Um, I just adore these stories and everyone's got their favourite cryptids. What is your favourite cryptid, Bluey? Oh, the Blackwood Bluey. The Blackwood Bluey yeah, for sure. Uh, he's definitely. Yeah, he's got to be my favourite too. Yeah, he's yeah. my Superman to Clark Kent kind of gig. Mm. The Nanup Tiger probably. Oh, that's a good one. He'd be my sidekick. Would you know yeah. getting around? I don't know if you're old enough to have ever watched the Masters of the Universe oh, well, back in the late seventies, early eighties, or whenever that was getting about. But uh, mm. well, Battle Cat. So yeah, he would be my Battle Cat. That's cool. That's really cool. You could totally do that. Yes. That's a great cartoon. Your favourite cryptid. My favourite cryptid, I love them all. Um, I definitely have a big spot, soft spot for the Mothman and I really love the Jersey Devil. Jersey Devil is probably one of my favourites. Okay. I think. Australian cryptid-wise, I might pick the guy that we're going to talk about tonight. He could be my favourite. Oh, nice. I'm really excited about this. I think you're going to like this. Yes. So... Uh, well, before we move on, the other important question I have, are, are there any cryptids that you believe in? Mm, no. No? Oh, no. you don't believe the Nanup Tiger's real? No, I don't think the Nanup Tiger's no, real. No, you don't believe in any cryptids? Oh, that's um, okay. I think I believe in them all mostly because it's just fun yes. and it hurts no one. No. I like it. So... Australia's got a f quite a few cryptids. There's even a few that I hadn't really heard of. Today I'm super excited to bring you a specimen that is fairly lesser known. Um, the Yowie, the Bunyip, the Hawkesbury River Monster, these are Australia's cryptid showgirls. But have you ever heard of a Barangel? No, but I like your cryptid voice. Yeah, down. that's my cryptid oh, voice. An optic, optic or two. Yep, yep, that's how you know I'm taking it seriously. Yes. So this guy's really exciting. All through the 1950s, there was this spate of reports made by Australian cattle ranchers, um, <clears throat> pardon me, on a large, of a large bipedal 
creature. Bipedal. Bipedal. That's a fun word. Two feet. Two feet. Walks on two feet. Mm, he's bipedal. He's bipedal, just like you. Yeah. That's, that's like my... If I it Tinder, means you if, can walk both directions. If I, if I was on Tinder, I'd pretty much have that as my, you know, description. I'm bipedal. You're bipedal? Nice. I like it. I'd, I'd swipe right on you, left on you. I'm not sure I'm what not the right sure. one is. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that stuff Up works. So, of a large bipedal creature leaving tracks on their property after eating their cattle. Mm. Mm. Would you like to see a photo of a cast of these tracks? Yes, I would. So, that is a plaster of Paris tract. Um, track. Track. That's yeah, okay. a footprint. Okay, it looks like, I'll give everybody at home mm. an idea of what this looks like. I mean, it looks we'll like big bird's foot. It looks like... Sort of like a big bird was twice the size, four times the size even, three times the size at mm. least. He would have a foot like that. It's got yeah. three toes. The middle one is the longest and then he's got a bit of a, a thummy, fat, stubby one on the right and on the left it's sort of like a little bit of a pinky out there. But, yeah, so triple the big bird foot. That's what okay. we call it. Looks like. I don't know well, what my about. dear. Yes. The reason his foot looks like that. Is because the Burringer, unbelievable. The Burringer is a motherfucking dinosaur. Bow, bow, bow. Yeah, it is. Um, yes. So I got that photo from a website called Beyond the Paranormal, and that is famous Australian paranormal author and cryptozoologist Rex Gilroy. Rex Gilroy. So Rex Gilroy is pretty well known in the Australian paranormal community. He's pretty famous. Um, He's had TV shows and books and articles, and he's been researching Australian paranormal phenomena for as long as you've had hair on your ass. So about three days. (laughs) It's been a long time. I was probably three days old when I had Mm. hair on my bum. There you go. He's been, that's how long he's been researching this stuff. So he's kind of the authority on Australian cryptids. And he's written books about the Yowie, the Blue Mountains Triangle, Aussie UFOs, that sort of stuff. Like Found in of stuff. any good fiction part of any bookstore. Just rude. So rude. He's even written a book on the Barren Jaw. Barren Jaw. So, yes, there are some people that happen to think that Rex Gilroy is not necessarily... Legit? Like, yes, no. I never said that. You said that. Um, and also some other people have said that. So just quietly, lots and lots of people think that he originated the Burren Jaw as a hoax. Oh, be bucket. But those people have no imaginations and have also failed to take into consideration... He needs to feed his family. ...the Indigenous Australian stories. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was way off on that. So let's talk a little bit about the Burren Jaw. Yes. It's described as a giant lizard in Indigenous Australian mythology. So this story goes back like very much like the Bunyip does. Predates Vegemite. It does. And based on the reports made by cattle ranchers, it's 20 to 25 foot long. That's pretty big. It's long. Stands taller than a human and has small clawed hands in the front, a long tail, powerful jaws, and it's bipedal. Just sounds like a crocodile cross with a kangaroo. Well, that's very interesting you should say that because that's one of the sort of like artist depictions looks a little bit like that. And leaf footprints similar to those of a giant... I've written email, I think I meant emu, (laughs) with three toes and long claws, as you saw. Yeah, yeah. 
sometimes described by early Aboriginal account, accounts as being reptilian, sometimes with feathers, and stories tell that it mainly eats kangaroos and other large animals. Yes. Camels, cows. Well, before then, the there wouldn't have been large mm. animals. We would have had kangaroos. Yeah, but not Giant yet. wombats. We, we Does had... it go back that far? Does yeah. It? Well, they think it's from like the, uh, I, I, I don't think I put it down. The prehistoric Yeah, they think it's stage. prehistoric. So some would think um, it's a case of mistaken identity and the stories are actually of a prehistoric monitor lizard called the, oh, I don't know why I write these down. I can't pronounce them. Magalania. Magalania. Sounds, that sounds that's right. A nice yeah. name. That sounds good. Okay. Next dog, we'll call it Magalania. Magalania. Except that doesn't explain the footprints. It lives mostly in the Northern Territory and specifically Arnhem Land. For those that don't know, this is a really vast and sparsely populated area. There's Red. lots of scrubby land out there and creatures could hide in it pretty easily, eating Ant. roos, crocs, and occasionally people. Yeah, ant hills. Oh, that's where the big ant hills were, yeah. yeah. And They're so cool. There are bazillions of mm. them and some They're of everywhere. them are... Up to your knee, and others are. You gotta wonder what they're all eating. Bigger than a tree trunk, three or four meters high. We've got some great photos, mm. yeah. Yeah, we do. We'll see if I can fish something out. So they're also said to inhabit a little bit of the top, very top of Queensland, and according to myth, these lands well, are that's avoided. That's where the cassowary is known to I get. I knew you were gonna make that out. connection. Fuck. Well, bam, cassowary. Yeah, yeah you do love a. Cassowary. Do you know what I am? I'm a. I'm a I'm a world renowned debunker, and I didn't even know it. I think that's is that a thing. Yeah, you're pretty. You're fairly good at debunking. I debunk. You debunk. So, according to myths, these lands are avoided by local indigenous people as well as animals. Which people you could kind of like? Yeah, we tell stories. We move each other out. We're not going to go there. Animals refusing to go into certain areas is kind of telling for me. Is it really? Louis. Yes, it is. I agree. You have to believe these stories, Lou. You know, every time you say no, you don't I do, believe I do, a fairy look, dice. I, um, I definitely think animals have hmm. far more intuition or in yeah. tune with their intuition. So if, hmm. say, your dog or dogs that normally like people meet someone yeah. and they're off with them or are regularly off with them, you hmm. kind of got to go, my dog might be trying to tell me something. Yeah. So people all know this. This is the thing people know, dogs, yeah. cats, or well, cats are pricks, but other than yeah. that, <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff or, you know, animals mm. doing weird things is a yeah. cause for concern. So it was also Interest feared. Maybe. It was also feared by the early colonial Europeans for eating cattle and trappers and people that wandered off and got lost. This is not unusual. In the early settlement days, there were weird animals. The Europeans saw it for, saw for the first time and there were stories of, like, mystical beasts. We sort of looked at this a bit with the bunyip as well, like weird noises from the bush and people dropping off like flies, stories from local Indigenous communities. Basically, all these factors equal the settlers thinking this guy was stalking the scrub, waiting for mm. someone to get complacent and get their shit eaten. Nom, 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 nom. Mm. Like, yeah, they got fucking scared and, mm. you know, fair enough too. So it supposedly looks a bit like a small T-Rex or a member of the raptor family. Oh, cool. I have got an artist's rendering of the creature. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. If you would like to see. I would definitely like to see. Sketch artists. This is what they think it looks like. I'll put this photo on the social media. It looks like a raptor. Yeah, but it's a got hairy feathers and it's raptor, a raptor. And... Definitely cassowary. Do you think it's a cassowary? I have a couple more for you. 
Well, that's not a caterpillar. That looks like a little T Rex with fluff on it. This but they also I think, think that the old T Rex was had covered in feathers. Mm. Well, that's um. Well, this is a picture of a kangaroo um, body with quite a large torso and a wombatty sort of. I thought platypusy head. Sorry, that's what I meant to say, but platypussy? I mix the two up. Platypussy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Platypus. Let's get that clear right now. All right. I said to turn the mic off. It was going to oh get. Oh It was going to get freaky. It would go. <laughs> I got one more. Oh, that looks like it couldn't hold its own body up. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Looking it up. looks like a a lizard on a T Rex. Like, well, that's a bit silly to say, but it looks like a massive freaking T-Rex head on legs that are too small for yeah. it. Yeah. Like I a blue to tongue. agree. I'm not into that. But as, you, as you've seen, there are a few different kinds of ideas and yes. interpretations of yeah. what this animal looks like. I've seen them look a bit more like a Tassie tiger with T-Rex legs. Yeah, like okay. they, they vary a lot. But you get the idea. I do. They're thinking it's Sauric. They have very vast imaginations. You're unbelievable. So let's look at some of these sightings for you to debunk, shall we? Oh, okay, I can debunk a sighting. Yeah, I bet you can. In 1957, two blokes on a station, and for those that are overseas, that's pretty much just what we call a ranch here. Which are tens of thousands of oh, they're acres, massive. Yeah. Mile, uh, acres or hectares, mm. whatever you like to say. Giant, absolutely giant. So a station in the Northern Territory, these two blokes were tending some 50 head of cattle at the time. When the herd spooked very badly, confusing the station hands as they couldn't see if anything had scared the cows. They didn't really know what was going on. Suddenly one of the cows broke free and and headed ran away from the herd and headed down to the river, yelling its head off. Yelling? Fuck! <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> so this is when the bloke spot. its head off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's carrying yes. on. Yeah. Carrying on a bit. So this is when the bloke spots something over in the scrub not too far away. It's a dark silhouette running into the bush. That's it, one yells. A monster. They claimed they claimed to hear loud grunting and snorting noises and by dawn half of the cattle were mutilated and most eaten. That's pretty. Something going on. Yeah, it's crazy. Something happened. We don't have a lot of stuff in Australia that would eat like a whole like herd of cows, like eat a half a herd of cows. We don't have anything in Australia that would eat half a herd of cows. No. We, like if, we had a, like, if you believe in the black cats, that might take one down. No, um, yeah, but the bunyip a... might and the burrinjal might. So they're all cryptids. <laughs> and the other things are just rumours. Like you have everywhere. But even like dingoes might take a cow down, will they? No, it'd have to be an absolute shitload of them. They'd have to be hungry. Yeah, as we don't have any predators big enough. There's enough for that. rabbits getting out and about for them to be. So it's interesting. Could have been UFOs. Uh, probably not. Mm. This could be a seismic activity. So that's hard. Bunk, that's a hard story to debunk. Do you agree? Well, I think it's a hard story to believe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have to believe a story that oh you, do you have God. to debunk a story you don't believe? <laughs> yes. No. I don't know. <laughs> oh no! I'm questioning everything. I'm spiraling, folks. <laughs> so one report made in 1978 by a man named Brian Clark tells of how he got lost in the scrub for a period of time. After which he was reported missing. Um, a search was embarked by local coppers and two Indigenous trackers. Despite a warning from the two trackers, the police insisted on settling, setting up camp in this particular area on the first night. It's probably in a creek. Or well, a yeah. Creek or something like that. Yeah, you're probably right. But after a few hours, um, the cops wake up. 
to the trackers, yelling their heads off, screaming, scrabbling for their gear. The cops note that they're shaking and screaming and they can't calm down. Quickly, they all got to their feet, gathered their packs and gear and got out of there as fast as they could. Stating that there was a deep, relentless, puffing, grunting kind of noise chasing after them in the dark, crashing through the underbrush. Just a horny wombat. I was going to say wombat. That sounds like a wombat. Yeah. Um, we've um, we've seen wombats in the wild. We know that they they crash through the underbrush and make yeah. weird noises and stuff. Even even koalas make weird noises. Koala, Everything koala in the bush sounds scarier than it is. Yeah. Um. So it's crashing through the underbrush. One report I read told that the ground actually was shaking, um, but despite all that, they they escape unharmed. Seismic activity. Seismic activity, maybe. So, or oh, maybe a rock slide. Depends where they were. So when they find Brian, uh, he was told by the cop and trackers that if what they of what they experienced, and he claimed to have had a similar encounter. And he was told that if they, he were to go back out there ever again, they would never go looking for him. So he was not to go out and get lost again because he'd be on his own. So That's a dude that is severely dehydrated and hungry. This is the statement that Can we believe believe this, folks? Like I said, when I've got my debunkness on, you can't stop me debunking. I'm sure there's a song about that. Trying to make one. Um, so in 1980, on another ranch, there were reports of more dead and mutilated cattle, some half-eaten, as well as reports of station hands hearing the grunting noise, seeing that strange silhouette. Charles Waterman, who I think from what I read actually owned one of the stations, actually saw the creature one night, calling it a fearsome mottled 20-foot beast, claiming he saw it carry a cow off into the scrub one night. So that's pretty impressive. Cows are probably... They're very big. Four, 500, 600 pounds, one. kilos. Mm. So that's that's a pretty big thing to mm. carry. You'd have to be... You wouldn't be missing leg day at the gym. No, absolutely. So the other station hands chased it with their dogs, but when they reached the nearby river, the dogs stopped, suddenly acting strangely, and then bolted away back to safety. Clearly scared shitless. Hmm. So when the men looked down at the riverbank, they found the giant three-toed tracks and decided it was time to head back. Can't <laughs> blame them for that. Yeah, you know, I'll be getting over there pretty quick. Just because I debunk yeah. things doesn't mean I get the heebie-jeebies. Oh, I know you get the heebie-jeebies. You get the heebie-jeebies yeah. a lot. Yeah. So I've got a list that I found on www.midgetonfire.blogspot.com. Sounds like something I've Googled before. <laughs> oh, no, boy. No, it hasn't. No, oh, that's no. awful. Um, so I'm going to read this to you. Thank yes. You. 1922. 1922. Yeah. So well, oh, 100 years ago. Oh, my God. It is 100 years ago. Oh, Maybe my God. Maybe not to the that's day, insane. but certainly the year. So 1922, north of Cloncurry. Don't know where that is. Stockmen sight a big lizard monster that was bipedal and moving its tail from side to side when it was walking. Theropods possess a muscle that runs from their femur to the base of their tail, as in crocodiles, so when they walk their tail moves from okay. side to side yep. like that. 1950, Burketown region. Two-legged reptile tracks are spotted by ranchers. Yes. Again, 1950, Jack Peckham, a buffalo shooter, spots some 38-centimetre footprints for three-toed bipedal animal in Arnhem Land. Yeah, okay, cool. 1960, three-toed tracks found near Alice Springs and Mount Isa. Okay, three-toes getting yeah. out. 1961, 
Lagoon Creek, Johnny Matthews sees a 25-foot bipedal reptilian monster. Again, 1961, north of Mount Isa, kangaroo hunters spot a bipedal reptile eight metres tall during a dust storm. 1961, during the same dust storm, sightings said to of a dark-coloured object, possibly indicative of dark coloration. So more, more reports yeah, okay. on the same night, which is interesting. He's been spotted by multiple people in one night. 1970, near Floravale, Jack and Jane Mulholland spot a 20-foot-tall Tyrannosaurus-like monster with mottled skin coloration. Okay. That is romantic. 1977. Good year, that. Yes. 1977. Good year. Good year. Best year. Aboriginal couple runs into a grey-skinned burrangeau resembling that of a T-Rex feeding on a bullock. 1979, north of Burketown, Aboriginal fishermen spot three-toed footprints. 1980, Communa District, Max Field finds a trackway of 50 footprints. The inner toe, 37 centimetres, is longer than the outer ones at 10 centimetres, as in dinosaurs. Okay, you're chucking the facts about it. Oh, I love this. This is, I'm fucking putting a case to you. Mm. 1982, interview with Bushman Alan Ritchie, who roams remote far northern regions of Australia. He found Aboriginals terrified of these animals. There is one region beyond which no horse will willingly go, uh, most Aboriginals, nor will most Aborigines. Um, horrific sounds are heard and the crashing of foliage in the jungle. Jungle. What is jungle? And the monsters move as the monsters move about. 1982, creature sighted in East Arnhem Land was said to be blackish brown in colour. Again, 1982, East Arnhem Land, human-sized bipedal reptile sighted as thought as it's thought this specimen may be a juvenile as it's small compared to the others. 1985. Good another... year, that. <laughs> See, you're adorable. Yeah, you were born. The Askey family sighti- sight, um, have a sighting. Greg Askey describes the creature. Monsters were greyish, brown in colour and dinosaur-like in appearance. We didn't wait around to have a look. The last sighting was in 1985 when a family reports seeing a 20-foot monster covered in feathers while visiting the Northern Territory. Overcompensating much? That was definitely a lot that of overcompensating. What do you mean? You're just pulling random, well, not random, I suppose. These are sightings. Specific sightings about the absolute You're same rude. thing we're talking about, but. I can't believe in the face of such interesting evidence you still mock me. So these reports are all pretty consistent, which I think is promising. Or maybe just uh, I just desperately want cryptids to be real. Yeah, I think that's... But if a creature like this could survive anywhere, it makes sense that it'd be here in Australia. Yeah, no, there's definitely, like, out in the desert, it's a very great place to live and it's not harsh at all. And there's plenty of water and food to We're be We're talking about a dinosaur, Bluey, Jesus. Yeah, but something that big... They're a bit tougher than we are. Something that big would have to have be burning a pretty big number of calories per day. So my argument to you is maybe this creature is no longer still alive but i do think oh my that god are we doing a whole new subgenre? are we doing spirits of cryptids no, are we doing I'm cryptid spirits being an extinct creature oh you can't have that one that's mine what that's your theory no but it's uh i think it's my new subculture or whatever species it is the haunting of cryptids okay i'd love to hear you tell me some stories about that the ghosts of cryptids but past. there's a few animals that are extinct 
that lived in Australia for quite some time. Name. And these could be good skateboard. Name skate 30 boats. of them. I can name three. Okay, give me so three. I've got them written down. Oh, have you? Jesus. So that could be, these could be a scapegoat for the Boringer. And these include the omnivorous kangaroo. Pro, I'm trying. These are real hard names. Propliopus. Propliopus. The three meter tall bird, Dromornis. These are my best attempts at pronunciations. And the giant sloth like marsupial, the Palochestes. Oh, that's a nice one. Yeah. The Palochestes. It's fucking dinosaur, Bluey, hiding in the bush. A dinosaur hiding in the bush. I was go- I've was i got written here, what do you think, Bluey? But I think you've made it pretty clear what you yeah, think. Yeah, no, I definitely, look, in this 21-minute uh, and 18-second display of your research, you've got me. You've got me. No. Anyway. Apparently, Bluey's been, like, he had some bitch flakes for breakfast. Apparently. Yeah, what's Sunday? The storms are coming. Yeah. Well, I, I do like the research and I'd like us to find one one upon a time, yeah. but I think it's. So to you take don't it believe that the Barangar is a real thing? Do you think it ever was? Oh, probably. Like maybe in the I've, 50s they were actually seeing some kind of. Well, they, they could have probably been seeing um, evidence of something like that. They Did could you have just been think seeing it was a cassowary? Cassowary or something fossilized mm. or, you know, the, so cas- the cassowary is bumbling through the bush, stepped on a bee. And his one of his feet blew up like a balloon. Yeah. Hence, I don't think that would happen anyway because that'd be incredibly tough. Can be explained. We talked about that. There's wombats and koalas, and even the possums here make horrible. Oh, and the bush and the countryside makes its own noises. Yeah, it does. You're right. You're right. It does. With the winds and the trees. Well, there you go. There's that then. So my references are beyond the paranormal, cryptid wiki, to contrive and jive, and of course, uh, midget on fire. I like Conchive and Jive. Contrive I think that's pretty Jive. cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that is pretty good. Who are these people? I'm making up some cool names. They are. All right, folks. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at darksidedownunder.com. Please do. Help me convince Bluey of the existence of at least the Boranjaw. I'm not sure I believe in the Boranjaw, but other cryptids, definitely. If you've got a cryptid story, send them in. I would love to read them to Bluey to see the egg on his face. Yes. Yes, we would all like that. Good night, folks. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Next time. Bye.